everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, Chris Weigel. And every weekend, we're here, we're doing life together, and we're so glad that you've joined us. Dr. Linda, this week, we're doing something different. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, like we haven't been doing anything different in the last three months, right? Right. You're in one part of the country, I'm in another, and uh, one day we'll get to do this program in the same room, but for now... We're just doing things differently, and uh, this weekend is no different. In fact, this is the sequel to last week's program with special guest Dr. Richard Lane, and we had so many questions that we couldn't get to during our regular time together that we asked him to stay over for a second program. And what a good idea that was, right? Yes. We both did have so many more questions after he answered the questions for last week's show that we decided we'd impose a little bit more on his valuable time and we asked him to give us some answers to things that we didn't get to using his very wise counsel on the reopening of America. So we're going to do a little bit different, like you said, Chris. We're going to give some of his answers that he did over the radio for us. And then we actually asked him to write some of his answers because he couldn't be with us this weekend. So we asked him to write down the answers to some more questions. If you joined us last weekend, you'll remember that Dr. Lane has a Doctor of Medicine degree from the University of Maryland School of Medicine and a Master of Public Health and Tropical Medicine degree from Tulane University School of Public Health. He is licensed as a physician and surgeon in the Commonwealth of Virginia. But as I mentioned last week, he's recently retired. Uh, Dr. Lane has traveled over 50 nations over the past 30 years, providing educational and clinical services to many, many people in underserved areas of the world. He's a published author, and we invited him back again because he has been blogging during this pandemic. He's had such great wisdom, along with reason, backing his blogs with scientific evidence that we found him a very reliable resource. So the bonus is also that he is a fellow believer. That's right. We have some of his answers live and others he wrote down for us to read because he had to attend to a family emergency. We didn't have time to record all the questions that we had, but he was kind enough to write down the answers to more questions. He's such a nice person. I mean, he was so willing to give this information. We did talk a lot last weekend about wearing masks, and we still had a few more questions that you and I didn't get to. So off the radio, I had asked him, You know, many of us have seen the painting of the Mona Lisa wearing a face mask. Have you seen that painting, Chris? Yes, I have. Some people have that on their their Facebook or their social media as their picture even. But I, I wanted to ask him a little bit more about wearing masks and especially should very young children have on a mask. I was asking him about like really young kids like under the age of two. So this is what Dr. Lane said. He said, one of the major avenues for respiratory viruses is to attack through touching the mucous membranes of the face. That would be the mouth, the nose, and the eyes. But children under two years of age will not tolerate mask wearing very well, and they end up playing with the mask, touching their faces more, so the risks really do outweigh the benefits. And his point was that mask wear is all about risk to benefit. Would Matthew, your son, have worn a mask at the age of two? No, we would have to put a cone around him like you do a dog when he has been to the vet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's his point, is that it's really tough with kids uh, that are that young to really get the purpose of what the mask is supposed to do. There was a study published a few days ago in The Lancet, which is a very reputable journal, 
and that found the risk of becoming infected was 17.4% without a mask, but it dropped to 3.1% with a mask. So remember for COVID-19, many people are asymptomatic and they do shed the virus. So if you're at church or in the grocery store or the guy next to you is talking, that person could be shedding the virus without being aware that that person is infected. So the mask is very useful and it's the best if both you and the person you're near is also wearing that mask. And speaking of masks, you asked him, what about people who feel claustrophobic in a mask and they just can't take it? Uh, what do you say to them? Do you know anybody like that? Me. I've talked to a lot of students who are trying to get used to it um, because of going back to school and they might have to wear those. And so what he said about that is you just have to desensitize yourself to that actual mask being on your face. You know, like a phobia, a phobia is when somebody's afraid of something. And I don't know that people are actually afraid of the mask, but when you have a phobia, you have to work through that phobia by facing the thing that you're afraid of. So what he's saying is that a lot of people are afraid to wear it for a long period of time. Some people have passed out wearing masks. Uh, they become anxious, they hyperventilate, and they have the physiological effect of fainting. But there's no one that's suffocating from their mask, despite some of the stories that we hear on the Internet. And the mask will not deprive anyone of oxygen or build up carbon dioxide. Surgeons wear them every day. And he says that he's worn one as long as 12 hours a day without any trouble. So if you're somebody who feels claustrophobic in that mask, what Dr. Lane is suggesting is that you practice wearing a mask for short periods of time at home. Maybe start with 10 minutes then work up to wearing it for a longer period of time. Eventually, you'll become more comfortable with it. And then when you work up to at least an hour of being able to wear it, that should be long enough for you to go to the grocery store or do an errand that you have to do. He says it's unnecessary to drive with a mask on. Put it on after you arrive at your destination wherever a mask is needed. And Chris, I know in our state, we have to wear them now. I don't know if it's mandatory, but the store signs are all saying if you come into the building, you must wear a mask. So basically get used to it by just practicing. And Dr. Linda, have you ever been claustrophobic wearing a mask? I haven't been claustrophobic, but I have to tell you, I get really hot with that mask on and it steams up my glasses. So for people with glasses, this is not so easy because I can't see. So then I have to take off my glasses rather than the mask. Then I'm touching my face. So I don't know if that's so good either. So, you know, we have to do what is really uncomfortable because we're helping other people. And I know that's not the easiest thing to do, but we have to do it. And we wanted to know about going to the grocery store. And this was the question. If we go to a store and people are not wearing masks, should we be concerned? And should we wear one anyway? Well, Dr. Lane says, yes, wear your mask. You may already be an asymptomatic carrier, and so you're going to pose a risk again to another person. So are you hearing the theme in this, Chris? He's basically saying this is not just about you. It's about other people around you <laughs> and helping other people. So he says maintain your six-foot distance and avoid the people around you completely, if you can, in the store uh, remember, because you're trying to protect others and you're going to get some protection yourself by doing this. And then what was really important is that when you remove your mask, you really have to practice avoid touching your face and then wash or sanitize your hands immediately. Now, have you had the mask on and then taken it off? Have you thought about how you're taking it off and what you're doing with it? Yeah, you really don't want to uh, touch your nose and mouth when you do that. Right. So 
Norm and I have gotten into this routine, but it's really been hard because it's so automatic just to get in the car and rip the mask off. But what we're trying to do now is I have a little bottle of sanitizer in the car. So we do the sanitizer. As soon as we get in the car, we keep our mask on. We do the sanitizer, get our hands clean. Then we take the mask off and then I'm putting it in a plastic bag. You know, it's not just laying around in the car. I know this is a pain for a lot of us and we're just, you know, yearning for the day where we can just walk back into a grocery store and not think about these things. But as he talked to us last week, we still have to do these things to keep the spread down even in the summertime. That's right. And we are glad Dr. Richard Lane could join us again this week with more fantastic tips from the perspective of a, of a physician and an epidemiologist. So right now we need to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more of the Dr. Linda Mental Show with our special guest, Dr. Richard Lane. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, with a quick prescription to help you break free from anger. Whether you are seriously out of control, hot-tempered, or just easily annoyed, why not try this biblical strategy to conquer those destructive reactions? A good place to begin is to admit you have an anger problem, and then begin the tough work of finding the root of your anger. The next step is to identify the triggers, you know, the cues that set you off. Your trigger might be other people or situations or even certain thoughts that pop into your mind. Next, calm down. It's like pressing pause on the moment. Take a breath. Count to five in Spanish or maybe some other language. Get your thinking brain back into control. And then finally, create a reaction plan. So in advance, think about ways to combat those familiar angry feelings. And then practice, practice, practice your plan. With God's help, you can break free from anger. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. And today's topic is part two of our special Reopening America and What You Need to Know program. We will have more with our special guest, Dr. Richard Lane, in just a moment. But before we continue our conversation, I want to remind you to check out Dr. Linda's website, drlindamental.com. There you will find her books, blogs, and you can connect on social media. And we know that in the midst of this COVID pandemic, other medical issues don't disappear. So if you or anyone you know suffers with chronic pain, check out Dr. Linda's new book, co-authored with physician Dr. James Cribbs, Living Beyond Pain, a holistic approach to manage pain and get your life back. Well, let's get back to our conversation with our special guest, physician and public health expert, Dr. Richard Lane. And Dr. Linda, we asked Dr. Lane to tell us a story about his work in infectious diseases. Specifically, we wanted him to tell us a, a favorite story. I know it doesn't sound like he's here yet because we haven't heard his voice live. <laughs> Trust me, he's coming on right after this story. These are the written responses that he sent us. I'm sure he would tell this story with way more passion than I'm going to, Chris, but this is the story he picked. He said he had a lot of stories, but one really stood out, and this is one from 2014, and here's what he said. I had met Moses, an African social worker from Liberia, at a conference in D.C. that June. He came to the conference on scholarship since he had no resources. I had been to Liberia doing mission work in the past during the Civil War several years ago. My experiences opened a door to a friendship over the course of the week, and we exchanged numbers to keep in touch. He contacted me a few weeks later to report his sister had died of Ebola. He was restricted from returning home because of the risk of Ebola in West Africa and called to talk to me about this situation. He had no understanding of the disease or why they would dispose of his sister's body without him being able to see her first. He was at such a loss for what to do. Long story short, Moses came to visit me and we talked for hours. 
I introduced him to the dean of our medical school, and he departed. And the three of us prayed that God would provide answers and opportunities. The next day, Moses received a letter offering him the opportunity to extend his visa and change to a different visa classification. Moses decided to pursue public health and became one of my master's in public health graduate students. I ended up speaking on a number of outlets, educating audiences about Ebola. Moses and I spoke about two weeks ago. He's now helping with contact tracing for COVID-19, among other public health activities. That's amazing. And, you know, Dr. Lane could go on for days telling stories like that. He's always been so involved going around the world and helping people with these pandemics. You asked him an interesting question, Chris. Why don't you play what you asked him so we can hear what Dr. Lane said? This was really interesting. Dr. Lane, we hear a lot of uh, discussion about whether or not this is some sort of planned attack on the current administration. Would you say that or, or would you strongly disagree? No. no. In fact, uh, there was a study that I read just this morning about the origins, and it is indeed a combination of two viruses that occurred naturally. It matches really close to a bat virus. In fact, um, they actually looked at 43 different bat coronaviruses, and they looked at one that's in the pangolin, uh, which is an anteater type of animal. And it matches that one really closely. The belief is that these two viruses got in that pangolin, infected people through the market like we originally believed. And this happens all the time with animal viruses. You know, you hear of avian flu, same thing happened. It's just timing. And this has happened before to us, and it'll happen again. I guess that answers the question then why, I mean, why does this not happen every other month or so, but this was just a bizarre timing then? While we've been dealing with this whole coronavirus thing, we've had two more outbreaks of Ebola in the Congo, and I haven't heard yet whether one of those is a new strain or the same old strain. We've had uh, outbreaks of avian flu, and these things keep popping up. And if you stop and think about it, Zika virus, a couple of years ago, we talk about Lyme disease, which is a bacteria. We talk about uh, Pallison fever, uh, which is a tick-borne illness. Those things are just animal viruses that make their way into human populations. And because we are humans and never experienced them before, we have no immunity and they tend to hit very hard. And COVID is no different. And yet our response to COVID has been exceptional. Yeah, because of the initial numbers coming out of China, we can talk about the delay in reporting and all that. That's a whole different issue. And some of it, I think, was just airing on the side of we want to make sure. Some of it was we don't want to look bad. But the mortality rate was horrible. And they were looking at just people who had the pneumonia from it. So very different. There was no test. They couldn't diagnose it unless people actually had the pneumonia. And we're talking 14.8% of people over the age of 80 died. People in my age group in their 60s, 3.8% of them died. That's horrible. And that's the reason to be worried. And we look at the United States, where 20% of our population is over 60. And if we just pick the middle number there on elderly people, it's 8%. Uh, so 8% of people who are... <laughs> in that demographic would die of this if they came up with pneumonia. And indeed, that's what we're seeing in the nursing homes. Um, we need to be kind. We ha need to have the humility. We need to figure out how we can serve others and have the humility to say that, you know what, I I'm going to do what I need to do because I'm worried about you. 
You know, most of us really struggle with getting accurate information, Dr. Linda, and I'm glad you asked Dr. Lane this question about where folks can go to get good, reliable information. I do send people all the time to the CDC website. I think it has the best compilation of data, and they keep it relatively up to date. Yeah, it is the CDC. It is the government. I understand some people aren't trusting the government, but it's accurate information. And realize that four or five months ago, we didn't even know this disease existed. And I've read thousands of articles over the last four months on COVID-19. And some of it it disagrees with other pieces just because the studies are done differently. You know how that works in science. Mm. And so they try to filter it out. And this is what our best understanding is today. It may change next month, but this is what we believe today. And you just go with it because that's all you have. Yeah, I was really struck, Chris, as he was talking about how much this has impacted the elderly population. And I know there's been even a a higher incidence with minorities. We have a friend who is dealing with this right now. Uh, His mother has to have a heart operation and she's 80 years old and it's a very difficult operation and they don't give her much of a chance to survive the operation. But he can't be with her. He can't be in the room with her when she goes in and hold her hand for pre-op and all the things that we normally would do. And he also has been told that if she has it and she's successful, she's going to be 12 weeks Mm. in rehab, unable to be around anyone. And she's married and her husband is in the early stages of dementia. She really takes care of him. I mean, the things that people are dealing with with this are pretty remarkable in terms of a new ground of How do you handle all of this, especially in these types of decisions that are just so important and so difficult for people? And I don't know about you, but we're not experiencing those kinds of big losses right now. But just the loss that Norm and I were talking about of not being able to have people come to our house. You know, a lot of times I'll have students come over, hang out with us, maybe come to a Bible study. We can't touch people. We saw our son the other day and we couldn't even touch him. I do think there is a sense of grief and loss that people really need to talk about. What's your sense of that? Uh, We've experienced loss with our family. A good friend of my mom's actually was dealing with cancer, and then she passed away. And there were no services, no family, no really anything. They had her cremated, and there may be a memorial later. So that just complicates trying to grieve and mourn a, a death that happens to someone who's close. And with that, I think it's so important to be aware of of what we might be feeling and to talk it out with our spouse or someone who's close to us. Well, stay with us as we hear one more time from Dr. Richard Lane on the role of faith and the pandemic. From the moment we're born, we're in relationship. At first, we depend on others to take care of us, to meet all of our needs. Then as we grow older, we make friends, we meet school teachers, later a boss at work and a spouse at home. Every relationship is important. Every relationship requires cultivation and nurturing. And at some point or another, every relationship has its challenges and they revolve around conflict. Did you know that you can grow through conflict and become such a healthier you than you ever expected? Well, I want to help you look at conflict in new ways, to approach conflict in ways that work. My book, We Need to Talk, can help you become a better problem solver, learn to negotiate differences, and strengthen all relationships even when conflict seems destructive. Well, let's face it, 
Conflict is an unavoidable part of our everyday life, but conflict doesn't have to overwhelm you or destroy your relationships. We Need to Talk, an important book by Dr. Linda Mental, is written to help you successfully navigate conflict. Find We Need to Talk wherever you buy books online. Everyone worries, don't they? Well, just listen to the nightly news or read the economic forecast or even talk to your family. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mental. Opportunities to worry present themselves many times during our day. So why would God tell us not to worry when it almost seems like it's impossible? First, he knows the physical damage worry does to our bodies. Second, he wants to calm us down by taking the burden of control away from us. Hey, we don't have control. No matter how much we think we do, he does. And third, he wants us to trust him. The root of worry is doubting God. Doubt is not trusting that God is who he says he is, or he will do what he says he will do. So every day, take your worries to God. Rehearse his goodness, accept his grace, and walk in the confidence that he is in control and he's working all things for your good. You're listening to the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and if you just joined us, we are talking about reopening America and what you need to know. This is part two with special guest Dr. Richard Lane. He's a medical doctor. He has a master's in public health, and Dr. Linda, he has a degree in tropical medicine, and for some reason, that sounds like lots of fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's traveled to 50 countries, he reminded us, and over the years, and so he's, he's been at a lot of places where these pandemics have broken out. And he has been helping us with sound information that isn't necessarily politically driven, but it's based on solid science. I think it's so important, Chris, to find people you trust like this. And one of the reasons we trust Dr. Lane is because he's been blogging all through the pandemic and he reviews the scientific literature and he just presents the facts to people. He isn't telling people what to do. He's just saying, here's the recommendation based on these facts. And because he's recently retired, he's had a lot of time to just pour through the literature. One of the things I asked him, I said, why do you think so many doctors are disagreeing on what to do? And he said, I don't think a lot of doctors who are in clinical practice who are so busy taking care of patients have as much time as maybe he does being retired now to just pour through the literature and keep up on all the studies that are coming out. And he's a really good person to review those studies because he's been trained in that type of science. So he knows when something is done well and it's a good study or whether it's not such a great study because it hasn't had such a good research design. That's right. And uh, you can follow Dr. Richard Lane on Facebook and you can read his blogs as well. And, and he and I have been Facebook friends for a while. And you're right. He just uh, puts it out there. This is what the science is. And then you can make the decision for yourself. So we appreciate that. And uh, Dr. Linda, you've been blogging as well on the mental health effects of this pandemic. And there is good information on your website, too, at drlindamental.com. In one of your blogs, you talk about anxious thoughts. This is certainly a time where anxious thoughts are aplenty, and uh, it just makes us feel out of control. So how do we manage these anxious thoughts? And I know you get very specific with this in your book, Letting Go of Worry. Well, anxious thoughts focus on the what if, right? So it's what if this happens? What if I get exposed? What if somebody touches me? What if, you know, what if I touch my face? All those things that can really lead to feeling anxiety. So instead... You have to do as the scripture says, you have to think on positive things, you have to stay very optimistic, you have to do what you can that is in your control. So this doesn't mean you put your head in the sand, uh, rather it's where you're focusing your thoughts. So when something bad happens, 
or something, you know, is out of your control, remind yourself that you can and will deal with it with God's help. And that's really what resiliency is all about, Chris. It really entails being able to confront things that are not in your control, moving through them with God's help and his wisdom and direction, and then with the help of science to guide us in what we do. Well, Dr. Linda, as we uh, near the end of the program here, uh, let's take a, a look at a biblical perspective. And let's get Dr. Lane's final thoughts on the role of faith and the pandemic. You know, people say, you know, this is like nothing we've had before. Well, actually, it's like a lot of things we've had before. I think back at history, another pandemics, society went through and survived the Spanish influenza. 80% of people survived it. Uh, you go back to the uh, wonderful bubonic plague that over 100 years wiped out hundreds of millions of people. In fact, it killed 30% of the European population. But that means 70% of people survived the bubonic plague. You know, and we're going to get through this as well. In fact, the church invented the concept of quarantine. This is a biblical perspective. They said, shut down everything and go away for 40 days. And so the church needs to look for ways to minister in this. And I think some of the online platforms have allowed a lot of people to reach out to people that would never, ever come to church. I was speaking to a pastor in Winston-Salem, and he said his church attendance actually went up 30%. Yeah, we heard the same thing. Pastor Symbola in Brooklyn Tabernacle Church, they've been online, which they never were before, and they're reaching people around the world. Exactly. And don't let those things end. This particular pastor had drive-in church, and he says, you know, he just can't believe the people that he'd been trying to get to come to church forever, and, and they'll come in a drive-in setting. They wouldn't come and sit in the church. And I said, you may not want to let this end then. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It may be the church of the future, drive-in church, uh, you know, people on roller skates uh, bringing you the offering uh, a bucket to put your ties in. You know, sometimes we get so locked into form that we forget what our function is. And our function is to reach the lost. It's to reach out to the communities and to share the gospel with people and to provide services for them. We failed this world when AIDS hit back in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, we alienated ourselves against the gay and lesbian community by saying, this is your problem. It's not our problem. This is your punishment. We could have responded differently and had an entirely different outcome. And I think we need to look at how do we minister to people and how do we reach people that are hurting, people needing. We have the poor and the hungry with us always. Jesus told us about that. How do we reach out to them and get them food? And some people have done that really well. And that's, that's a good thing. Such a great challenge for the church. Thank you so much, Dr. Lane. And unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. Many thanks to our special guest, Dr. Richard Lane, for sharing his expertise again on today's show. To our producer and social media director, Norm Mintel, our engineer, and my co-host, Chris Weigel, who makes this show a conversation. From all of us here at Faith Radio, we'll talk to you again next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend. 
and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.